0: Love Talk Radio.
1: To energy awareness radio you know at one level or another we all carry around some form of baggage be it trauma adversity or pain from the past and whether it's a result of what others have done to us what we have done to others or the harm we have actually done to ourselves this inner emotional clutter directly affects our ability to live a fulfilling life So if you're wondering if there is any way to dissolve emotional clutter, the answer is yes. Yes, there is. This is T-Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am a Reconnective Healing Practitioner, Certified Vibrational Sound Therapist, and Positive Psychology Practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products to choose from so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer free of charge and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com energyawareness. My returning guest, Donald Altman, joined us in 2011 for a great discussion of his book, One Minute Mindfulness. Donald is known as America's mindfulness coach. He is a psychotherapist from a former Buddhist monk and award-winning author of several other books, including Art of the Inner Meal, Living Kindness, The Mindfulness Toolbox, and The Mindfulness Code. He's an expert on mindful eating, conducts mindful living and mindful eating workshops and retreats, and trains mental health therapists and business people to use mindfulness as a tool for optimizing health and fulfillment. Donald is also a teacher in the neurobiology program at Portland State University, and we are very fortunate to have him back Again, to discuss his most recent book, Clearing Emotional Clutter. So welcome back to the show, Donald. Thank you for taking time to join us yet again. So how have you been?
2: I've been great, T. And it's it's such a pleasure to be on here with you again.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I I was so looking forward to it when I got the book from the publicist. It's wonderful. And this is another great book that you have gifted us with. And I have to say, it is so topical. (laughs) It really is. So many people are existing rather than living, they're kind of in a state of overwhelm and negativity because they seem to be holding on to all of this ick from their past. And yes, they're alive, but seemingly they're just going through the motions of doing whatever they need to do to exist instead of being and living in the present. So that's my take, and I'm I'm grateful you wrote the book because it will certainly be helpful to my patients. But did you write this book because you saw this as a growing issue becoming more prevalent of late?
2: You know, absolutely, I did. And well you know what's so fascinating was that you know he had this whole uh, idea of uh, hoarders on TV and the physical clutter and 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 that's very easy to see because it's out there it's physical and the mental clutter is much more pervasive and maybe more dangerous for us because we can't see it we don't know it's there often we've been living with it and yet it's 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 severely maybe limiting or impacting our lives and not letting us live the lives we want to live and so we um so i felt it was important and i'd seen it in a lot of my clients how they were able to use a lot of these practices that i work with mindfulness lifestyle tools to help clear away or dissolve that old clutter even that that you know that 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 the really sticky clutter that doesn't want to get cleared out can be removed and so i think there's a hopeful message here as well
1: It is a hopeful message, absolutely. And just so that everyone is on the same page, I've already gotten questions from some of the listeners prior to the show asking, hey, T, what is emotional clutter? Um, Give Mm. us a few examples of what that actually means.
2: Yeah, okay. So emotional clutter can come from a lot of different sources. It could be from your childhood, uh, like the lady I worked with who, um, she was in her 60s, and when I first met her, she kept going back to this old story, I mean, old clutter. You know, my mother, she abused me. She mistreated me. And that clutter was so strong, I mean, it blocked everything else out. I mean, I had to actually, at one point I asked her, I said, tell me, uh, have you, you know, I'm, that's, that's obviously a very important story for you, but have you counted the number of times you tell yourself that story in the course of a day? And she looked at me, it's like she had gone out of a trance, T. And then she said to me, she said, well, it's funny you asked me that. I have tried to count how many times I tell that story but I always lose track. And then she said, um, ah. said but I, but I do know, when I don't tell myself that story, I'm a lot happier. Isn't that something? Mm. So she had clutter from her childhood that was so uh, pervasive, and it was like, a, you know like a, a car being stuck in a deep rut, you couldn't get out of it. Um, you know, we could have clutter from uh, worry about the future, for example. Uh, anxiety about things that are, we think are going to happen or, you know, uh, things we want or don't want to have happening to us in the future. I had a client, somebody who had uh, anxiety clutter that caused, actually caused um, anxiety attacks every day, and she had kids, and she would hyper-focus on worries, her, you know, her mind would be filled up with these horrible, I mean, almost very um, horrendous, you know, images of things that would happen to her kid, b- kids, bad things. And so uh, that clutter was uh, really limiting not just her but her whole family. And she ended up just pretty much staying in the house and not wanting to leave because of all these things she imagined. So her head was filled with that. It was affecting her family uh, badly, too. Um, And then it could be just the daily wear and tear, the daily stresses. You know, and I talk about... um, Daily stress, almost like, you know, like a tartar. Daily clutter is like tartar that builds up on your teeth daily. You just got to keep clearing it, you know, flaw, mentally flossing it away. And so, um, again, it can be the past, it can be the future, it can be the present day that is feeling us, leaving us feeling overwhelmed so that we can't really react in this moment and we can't be effective and we can't enjoy this moment either because of all this clutter that's blocking us.
1: Yes, and I find that I am telling people a lot, you know, it's always okay to stop and take a breath before you speak or take action of any kind. And you are not saying to forget everything that's occurred in your life. You are not saying get rid of all the negative experiences, concerns, and pretend they didn't exist, but rather to learn from them so that you either will not repeat them or you'll be able to handle them more easily, quickly, not react in negative ways, correct?
2: That, that's absolutely correct. I, I, um, this is not about facing and clearing out emotional clutter. is isn't about ignoring the past or ignoring your situation, but to rather directly confronting it and saying, okay, this is what's happening. How can I alter the course of things from this point? And so there's a sense of acceptance here, a sense of a willingness to move into a new space in a new way, to look at a fresh perspective and uh, maybe and like you said to learn from what has happened maybe to learn from the old patterns uh, one of the reasons that i uh, ended up some years ago going into a monastery was because i had repeated i had seen a same a similar pattern repeating in my life and it was a, a harmful pattern and i wanted to know if i could start to really start to see below the surface and to see what was happening and to look internally to do that not just to you know blame what was happening externally sure things are always happening uh we might be dealt a bad set of cards in life but how we respond to it that's the key and so i um i decided i wanted to look and see if i could find a new way and so it it really helped me my experience doing that and um, and i've always tried to create uh tools that people could connect with to try to help them and um so that, that was my goal with this book was to try to give people a lot of uh, very practical lifestyle tools for clearing out clutter and then also connecting us with our deeper purpose. And I maybe you want to go to, there, to that point somewhere in our conversation today. But um, ultimately, that's how I end the book is connecting people with their gift and with their purpose.
1: Yes, and I love the way the book is broken down because there are chapters that are not long and at the end of each chapter is a lifestyle tool so that if you're experiencing something, you can literally look in the front of the book and see what chapter you need to go to and go to the lifestyle tool and use it in that moment. So that's the beautiful part of the book. You don't have Mm. to read it straight through. You can, but you can use it as the tools that you need right then and there for the application that you're looking for.
2: Right. The other thing is that um, it's fascinating. Is I've learned a lot about brain science. Is is that uh, by using these tools and how we use our awareness in the moment, and, and, and that's why I have a lot of these tools. Is when we use these tools, we're changing how our brain is rewired, and that changes how we behave and act and think in the future. So it's it's this idea of of self-directed neuroplasticity that I can rewire my brain. And it doesn't really take a whole lot of time. That's why a lot of these tools can be done in, you know, two, three minutes. And um, that just a few minutes of this a day can really um, create a new uh, pathway in the brain. You know, if you imagine, for example, one way I like to describe it is imagine you have a hill with some, you know, rocky, craggy hill. And I'm pushing the rock down one particular way over and over again. Well, eventually it will create a rut or a groove, and then it doesn't take any effort. I could just put a rock in there. It will roll straight down. But now we're, what we're saying is we want to clear out the clutter. Maybe we have old habits where the rock has been rolling down the same way time and again for years. Now we're trying to create a new pathway, so we're pushing down a new direction. It takes more effort and energy. And eventually, with enough practice, we can create a new groove, and that's actually how the brain rewires and changes.
1: Yes, and I love that aspect of the science part of this. It's so fascinating to to know that you can actually change things, and physically it does occur. If you look at, you know, a scan of the brain, you can see groups are filled in and other grooves are made. It's a physical thing, which is beautiful because then it validates so much to people who need to see it.
2: (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) And I I actually have some skills, and I have one called uh, Interface Booking. Uh, It's one of the chapters in here. And um, you, know, you can think about how uh, Facebook, if you put up posts on Facebook, you could see uh, or you read posts other people put up. No, those posts affect how we feel. And mm-hmm. uh, in the same way, though, throughout the day, we're putting up hundreds of interface posts in our mind. I call it the second Facebook, which is the inner Facebook. And if we're not aware of the posts we're putting up, we may be putting up posts that say, you know, I'm not adequate enough. I'm not good enough. I won't get that job. Maybe there's a lot of negative posts up there. We might have learned to post a certain way because of our family. And I've actually seen that. I had a, a client who came to see me one time, and he um, his business went under, and he was severely depressed. And, he, and And he told me, he said, you know, I'll never get another job. Um, I failed in business. My, uh, you know, I don't know how to use a computer that well. I'm not a good interviewer. The economy is bad. And I listened to this, and I said, wow. I said, you've got a great list of reasons why you can't move forward. And I said, would you – Think about putting together your top ten list of reasons why you can't move forward, and that's when Letterman was on, and he liked the idea of doing a, a top ten list. So he came back to see me. Yeah, right. He came back to see me, and I'll never forget it. He he, he he had a different look, and I said, "What? Well, how did you that list go?" And he pulled the list out, and he says, "Well, I put the list together." He says, "But but he says I got to tell you something. When I looked at my list, I had this um like a a, a light." Bulb just flashed in my head he said and he said i looked at the list and i i, I looked at those 10 reasons and i said i realized this is how my mother thinks <laughs> and mm, that he had learned yeah. from his family he had learned a thinking style a way of perceiving events a way of filtering things out and of interpreting things that was very limiting for him and then he said he said you know what i don't want to think like that anymore <laughs> and and he went on uh, when we worked together to clear out that old clutter and have him um, be more uh, spontaneous and alive with how he interacted and, and, and got rid of those old belief systems. Think about how strong they are, right? And they had been mm-hmm. holding him yep. back. Yeah.
1: You know, it's so funny you brought that up because I was going to bring up Chapter 2. I got to chapter two, oh, and yeah. I saw inter-Facebooking, and I started laughing because I hate Facebook. I don't do Facebook, and uh-huh. recently I was yeah. told I, I have to do Facebook, and I said <laughs> I don't want to, and they, somebody said you have to. I started a children's foundation. They said you have to do it, so I said all right, fine. I had somebody set it up. I started to work with it a little bit. It drove me so crazy that I literally, Mm. when I went in to to work on clients, that day I'd say, no, no charge, it's okay, you're good. I couldn't work with them well. And I said, I can't do this. My brain doesn't work this way. These people are mean. The things that were coming up on my, Mm. to me, it's like a very long high school reunion. And somebody Mm. said to me, yeah, I call it fake And I said, it is fake People are putting out a persona. (laughs) And during the day, actually during the day when I was working on it, I kept thinking, I really hope I break Facebook because I think I'll be a hero. People hate this thing. They have to. I can't (laughs) be the only one. And, oh, my gosh, so now I have a person who said, don't worry, you never have to look at that Facebook page again. I will take care of it for you. And I said, okay, great. I don't do Facebook. I've heard the other side (laughs) of it where people post things and then they say, oh, I know she's talking about me or I know this is Mm. what. Oh, my gosh, people, we're out of well, please get over yourselves you're not that special i i can't yeah. i can't take it yeah. <laughs> so i don't do it i had to laugh chapter two and i thought look he's got me laughing already
2: <laughs> and and what's so funny is i mean with uh here we are putting up all these facebook posts ourselves at the same time and um and uh, you know and, and so what i ha- suggest here is that people also if you start to notice that your inner facebook posts are, are affecting you negatively and uh, then mm. you need to start Thinking about how you could support yourself and be more encouraging and supportive and put up uh, Facebook posts that look at uh, uh, some of your strengths and some of the ways that you're effective in the world and and be real with it. Not, I'm not saying to put up posts that are just an ego um, you know, exercise and saying, oh, look how great I am. Not that at all, but to really just be more accurate and truthful about what your strengths really are because I think we can be very critical with ourselves. And um, a lot of people have a whole committee of uh, critical voices in their heads, right? And how can we um, start to balance that out? So we were talking about having some real balance, and I think that it's it's important to do that.
1: Uh, It absolutely is, And, and that's actually a great segue to talk about the strengths that you speak throughout your book. You know, over 108 strengths have been identified, which is significant. I would think that anyone Mm -hmm. could find at least one area of strength that they already have and then find others that they didn't realize they had or that they do have and can cultivate.
2: Oh, yeah. If you can start to notice your strength, as an example, um, you know, you you wake up in the morning and uh, you uh, get ready, right? You take a shower, you brush your Mm -hmm. teeth. Uh, You get something to eat. Maybe you go out for a little walk, or you stretch, you take your dog out. I mean, you have experience right there the strengths of self-care. You've you've done a lot of things to care for yourself. You're caring for others. Um, And, uh, you know, if you get get to an appointment on time, that's the strength of timeliness and respect for others. If you can find your car in the parking lot when you walk out from the mall, that's the strength of memory. And, you know, a lot of times we forget to give ourselves credit for all the things, little things that we do in the day. And so I think what's a great exercise and and one of the lifestyle skills I have in here is to find one strength. And you only need to find one and then apply it every day for a week. So if your strength is, let's say, hospitality, you like to be hospitable or welcoming to people, so maybe one day at work you... You ask somebody if you'd like to go get them a drink of water or a cup of coffee or something, or maybe you hold the door open for somebody. You do these little things once a day, but consciously. So you're, you know, you're setting an intention to do this, and then you're noticing how it makes you feel. You can write it down at the end of the day and at the end of the week. Look over all those different times that used your strength. There's actually been research, T, that shows that uh, this very simple practice can significantly reduce depression for example because mm-hmm. we're actually being more intentional we're using our strengths and then the next week find a different strength put that into action for the next week one time a day and so it's very simple and yet uh, you're you're adding some new meaning to your life and you might find the only is making your, you feel better but it's also uh, positively impacting those around you. And that's nice. and I mean, it's all, well, We're not it's in a vacuum nice. in life, right? Yeah.
1: Right, right. And it's also a, a source of gratitude, and we talk about that a lot on the show, that scientifically mm. if you just concentrate on something you're very either grateful for, appreciative of, care about, or compassionate about, for three minutes it will lower your cortisol levels, it will raise your mm. endorphins, and it will last for six hours. That's pretty darn good. And when pretty you amazing, cultivate isn't it? these strength, It is, yeah. And when you cultivate them, they they flow throughout every aspect of your life, not just at work but at home. And everything that you do, you find interests that you may have lost and and gone away from, but it brings everything back and you're coming more from your heart center. And that allows Mm. you to really, you know, give to the other people, serve in a way that you want to so that you feel fulfilled. Because I think that's what everybody is missing right now, that sense of fulfillment. They're so into their gadgets. The magic phone, the magic Etch-A-Sketch, the Facebooking, social Mm. media, all this stuff that I don't do.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And
2: and you hit upon something is that when, uh, uh, you know, we're we're so distracted nowadays, are we? And technology has a lot to do with that. And I've seen a lot of research that says that, uh, you know, technology is moving so quickly and we're accepting it without question. And so, uh, mm-hmm. even though there are obviously there are a lot of benefits to it, but for the first time since 2000 to 2010, there was a they, uh, among college students there was a 10% drop in empathy. Really yeah. fascinating, yeah. isn't it? They've been showing that uh, uh, people in the 8 to 18 year range are are looking at screens about seven and a half hours a day. That was a Kaiser Family Foundation study. And so, you know, what is How's it maybe even rewiring our brain? They found that some uh, preschool students were unable to really notice facial expressions and uh, social cues, and they took them away to an outdoor camp. They took away their... you know, mobile devices, and for a week these kids had to interact with their peers face-to-face and did a lot of activities, and then they were retested, and they found that they had regained the ability to notice social cues and emotions and, and uh, you know, facial expression, body language, and all of that. And so, you know, it does make you wonder about how, you know, is, is, is too much technology muting our ability to really be with others and I've seen, I'm sure everybody has, you've been at a restaurant, you've seen everybody at a table, a family, yeah, and they're all yeah. looking at their phones, right? And so yep. um, I, I talk about going on a technology diet. How can uh, going on a, uh, you know, it could be a diet for, it could be uh, one, time, one day a week. It could be uh, just at meal time. And uh, you know, so you could really interact with the people in your family. It could be maybe just in the evening for an hour so you could read a book and to think about how to go on a technology diet a technology is, is is a wonderful thing, and it 's of course allowing us to do this radio station program today right. and yet at the same time, we need to look at um, how could I have healthy boundaries with it, How may it not be helping me interact with others? The second point is that. Uh, You know, uh, technology has us multitasking all the time. So how about replacing some of that multitasking and technology with a little bit more unitasking? And when I talk about unitasking, I mean um, going for a walk, uh, having a lunch with a friend where you put your phones on mute, right, or um, uh, sitting out in nature, and you have all these wonderful ways that you could do something and unitask. And uh, which really are very nourishing and nurturing for ourselves. Or just to sit and maybe uh, take a moment to read something uh, beautiful, or to have, uh, have a moment of prayer, or a moment of reflection. Or, 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 you know, even if you're doing the chores, you could do a chore and unit task. Just do that chore, right? And uh, so this is yes. about finding, the, uh, appreciating those ordinary little moments.
1: Yes, and, you know, too much of anything is not healthy. I mean, if you take in too much water, you will drown, Mm -hmm. you know, and yet water is good for you. So, you know, when I look at the technology... Yeah, and I'm actually surprised that people are only on for seven and a half hours, because eight hours a day, because I'm thinking they get up in the morning and they don't put it down until they go to sleep. And then they come mm. to me and they want to know, why can't I sleep? And I have to explain to them that those colors on the screens that you're looking at right. are not in nature. They are not. And they're telling the, sig- the the little cones behind the retina in your eye, stay awake, it's daytime. And so you yeah. stay awake. Yeah, oh, you're
2: right. It's, it's actually and, delaying, yeah. Yeah, it's delaying melatonin. By up to two hours, yep. which is our our sleep hormone. You're right. Yep.
1: Yeah. Whether, whether it's a TV, because now they they all the TVs are now HD and special or something. I have mm-hmm. no idea. I don't know what I'm talking about at this point. This is like a foreign language.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's wonderful this, this that you're uh, <laughs> uh, sharing that information with people because a lot of people don't aren't aware of that. A simple fact. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you got to know this is what's causing your problems is that you're on technology way, way, way too much. And then mm-hmm. they'll say to me, well, what about you? Don't you use technology? And I'll say, not really, not the way you do. I limit my screen time, and I, yeah. I like I said, I don't have a magic phone. My phone just rings. It doesn't take pictures. It doesn't do anything fancy. I can't <laughs> uh, get on the Internet. Yeah. I don't want to. And, you know, interestingly, yeah. an exercise that I've told people to do is when you go to a restaurant – Everybody puts their phone in the center of the table, and the first person to pick up the phone to either check it because it rang or make a call pays for the entire meal for everyone. I, I have love yet that. to have that to pay for great. a meal. Yeah, my <laughs> phone's in my car. It's you know it's like where's yeah. your phone? to? It's in the car. I don't care if it rings. I'm here with you people because I devoted this time to you, and I think that's what's missing is people. They're not taking the time to interact with people. We're people. We need to connect. Right,
2: and and that is how we really wire up uh, the empathy part of the brain and the connection part of the brain is is face to face, not face to computer. And um, right, you know, I, it's a funny thing. I, I I often talk to people about, and this is, uh, and I do talk about nature and the healing power of nature, vitamin N, as I call it, in the clearing emotional clutter mm-hmm. book, and. Um, uh, a lot of times I'll have people use nature as a transitional tool. So people coming home from work and they're all stressed out, and what do they do when they get home? They take it out on their family, right? Or they don't (laughs) eat properly or they do right? And so I want people to transition, take a 10-minute walk in nature. And uh, so I had one guy do this who was, he would bring this work mania home, and his whole family, you know, was upset. And so he came back and um I asked him how did it go? Your ten minute walk in nature because uh, I live in Portland, Oregon area, and there are a lot of beautiful uh, urban parks here. And he said to me, he says, "Well, mm-hmm. he says I, I started to walk in nature and I got more frustrated." And I, I, I was kind of curious. I said, "Really? What, what happened?" He said, "Well, I took my phone out and I couldn't find my Sounds of Nature app and I got frustrated." And oh my God! Are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> No, and the reason he couldn't get the app was that you can't. You can. You're in nature there, and you can't get a cell signal. Oh my God! <laughs> oh my God! You but don't need an it, app it, for nature Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny, isn't it? It shows how uh, how attached we can be to uh, that uh, to those electronic devices. It's like a almost like a leash or a tether,
1: isn't it? Yeah, and how and unaware need, yeah. because really, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's funny, but it's not, yeah, but I it know. is. <laughs> kind of
2: funny, but it's kind of sad at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and no, I think we can make a more conscious... It. Yeah, I'm sorry, What?
1: Very sad Very at the sad. same time.
2: Yeah, and I think we can make a more conscious effort into uh, putting technology aside and, and setting a time even at night where it's like, okay, the phone is off and I'm not going to take it into the bedroom and I can turn off technology in the bedroom and put the lights down A really enjoy sleep and, and, and recognize that sleep is very sacred. The body needs it. It's how we uh, we learn better when we sleep. Actually, sleep cleanses out waste products in the brain. I mean, it's really amazing. We just learned about this. Uh, there's something called the glymphatic system. And when we sleep, brain cells actually shrink. Cerebral spinal fluid is pumped up into the brain and cleanses out beta, beta amyloid. That's the protein implicated in Alzheimer's. And it just, it, it, it just uh, is a way to completely... Uh, recharge your whole body and your brain and yet a lot of people um, don't know how to allow themselves to give that rest give themselves that
1: rest yeah well now they do they've got your book (laughs) well that's
2: true Yeah. hopefully it won't put them to sleep if it does that's okay
1: (laughs) no it's just that you have the tools to get away from it all because so much of it a lot of the problems today that I see really are technology related I mean I'm married to a person who is an IT person Okay. He, too, oh, does not really, have yeah. a magic phone He doesn't have a oh. magic phone we, we, He wow. we doesn't it, you know, He's like, no, I don't need one, then get me And I'm like, wow, and I you, think you need to get out And you get along fine, you know, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah And, and, yeah. Yeah. and I, don't, I, would, I do not know how to text People will tell me, I'm going to text you And I'll say, no, you can't do that, my phone doesn't do it And, it, I mean, if somebody held a gun to my head And said, you have to text, you would have to shoot me Because I do not know how to do it, and I don't want to know <laughs> It's too many places to text yeah. It's too much yeah. Yeah, I just find uh, it to be overwhelming. And that's overwhelming. me. I've
2: I've traveled on uh you know, I travel a lot and I do workshops around the country, even in uh internationally. And uh right, there was a time not too long ago when I when I forgot my phone and and of course I had a reactive thought at first, oh my god, what am I gonna do? And then I remembered, wait, I used to travel <laughs> all the time without a phone. Uh it'll be okay. <laughs> and it was okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, things change, and we get accustomed to it, you know? That's that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, you know, one of the um, chapters that I really liked in your book was chapter 16, Awaken the Compassionate Heart Today. Mm. That, you know, that's so important because that just ties everything together. We're, I, I believe that we're connected through compassion, not really love, because love is a very personal thing. Compassion you feel for people across the world when there's a tsunami or something you feel compassion yeah. not for them.
2: And I and I think compassion is really important because uh, you know we can be you know get very judgmental about people. And I, I often ask people in my workshops I say does anybody here and I like to put this out to your audience as well anybody out there have an, a difficult person in your life? And everybody raises their hand when I do that of course in Sure. A yeah and you know, I'm sure many of them have more than one difficult person, but you know, how can we view even that difficult person with a sense of compassion? Is that possible to go off, uh, you know, to set aside our assumptions for a minute? Because it's very easy to boil down somebody into a little box, put them in a box, say, oh, they're like this, right? And uh, they push my buttons, and so they're like this, and, and, and I'm not going to see them any other way. But the truth is uh, that that difficult person in your life has suffered like all of us have there isn't anybody who hasn't aged hasn't endured a loss uh experienced grief or suffering of some kind and so if we could start to understand that and uh see that person through that lens yeah sure maybe their suffering is overflowing and, and it may be overflowing onto us but still if we could understand and recognize the suffering that could be very helpful you know i had a client one time who felt her mother was always picking on her and no matter what she did, I, I tell the story in the clearing emotional clutter book. No matter what she did, if she was mm-hmm. uh, if she was really uh, helpful to her kids, her mother said, "Oh, you're a helicopter mom. You know, you gotta give those kids some space." And then if she gave the kids some space, she'd say, "Oh, you're you know you're, you're being neglectful. You gotta help your kids more." And she felt like she was always being criticized, and she didn't know what to do about that. And so it really uh, she had a very Negative relationship with her mother, and so I, I said to her, I said, you know, I want you to experience your mother in a new way and recognize that your mother has had uh, losses in her life. Her mother actually had lost uh, that her, this woman's father had died. The mother was alone, and um, and so I said, when next time you're with your mom, I want you to just listen to the voice, not to what she's saying, not to the content, but to the subtext. What's beneath the surface there? What's the body language? What are you hearing? Uh, below the surface and and i want you to also notice that your mom's a very this is a unique individual right and just pretend yep. you have never never met her before and she came back to me after doing this experience and she said wow she said you know what i heard loneliness my mother is lonely she's trying to connect mm-hmm. with me mm-hmm. and she, and she doesn't know how yeah so it, it yeah. gave this uh, this uh, woman, uh, a starting point at which she could start to feel some compassion for her mom, and and take it less personally what was happening. Yes. Yeah, so yeah you're and right. that I think that is it. Is, yeah, compassion is critical.
1: It is, and I think it's the, like the first step toward really getting to know yourself, as well as getting rid of being mm. uh, tending to judge others. You know. Um, because you oh, yeah. you find that you're a different person when you can look through the lens of compassion. And, you know, sometimes we get many opportunities to do that with the people that we may think are our friends and they hurt us in some way. And I will say that, you know, sometimes right. even though you can be compassionate, there are times you need to step back and say, okay, that person I can be compassionate about. But they're not changing. They're not working on right. being different. So you need to, like, love them. But put them aside and keep them at arm's yeah. length because that's not good for you.
2: Yeah, and, and I agree there. What I'm what I'm saying about compassion is that doesn't mean that we give somebody a free pass to abuse us. Right, right. right. No, we don't do that. But maybe it does help us uh, understand them more. And uh, but it doesn't mean that necessarily we need to have a, a relationship if it's harming us. That's very right. true.
1: Yeah, because, in, yes, in, you, no, one, no one in their right mind would expect anyone else to, to, in the name of love, do something that's detrimental to themselves. But in those right. moments of yeah. anger, jealousy is huge. Jealousy is so huge. People compare themselves to one another and want to be like the other person, and then they hate the other person. Literally, I've heard the word, I hate them because they're doing what I want to do. I'm like, really? Mm. Don't hate them. Just look at what your purpose <laughs> is. Find your gift and present to the world.
2: Right. I think it's wonderful. If you know, in fact, in um, uh, Buddhist uh, work, um, there's this idea of um, sympathy of joy for others, it's, uh, and mm-hmm. and it's a very high. Um, it's called one of the divine abodes. It's it's it's, it's something. It's it's the way that um, um, if somebody was was enlightened, that they would want to be happy for another person's path. That's not subtracting from what you can do or what you you know what you have in your life, and so to try to find happiness for others, even if it's a path that you don't think is the best for them, a lot of parents maybe don't agree with what the paths their their children may take, but to be able to have this this joyfulness for others is really important, but negative emotions sometimes block those positive emotions what you're really mm-hmm. saying right, and so that's a yeah yes. that's a form of clutter uh that uh, is important to clear out because it, um, it it's self-destructive as well.
1: And you know, it may just help the other person when they realize that oh, why am I being cast aside? Because you would feel that you you would feel mm. that that person is not talking to you or spending time with you. And you would I would hope that you would learn from that before you moved on to you know just saying okay, well forget that. But something comes into play there, I would think.
2: Hm. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, one of the key ideas here too is to also is to use everything that happens in our in our life and to grow from it,
0: mm-hmm. and to
2: find the and to find mm-hmm. the, you know there's a silver silver lining in everything, and if we can uh, find that silver lining, you know how beautiful that is, especially if it leads us to discover. You were saying a moment ago, if it leads us to discover our own path, our own purpose then that's a real gift, and somebody that, maybe that person did us a favor in some way. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up in a family where there was a lot of wounding, and, uh, but, uh, you know, when I look back at that, I, I look and I say, you know, that's what actually put me on a path toward uh, wanting to heal myself and then wanting to work with healing others, and that wouldn't have been possible maybe. So maybe there was a gift in there. And actually, I I view it that way now. I see there was a gift, and I'm I'm actually grateful for that. I wouldn't, um, you know. I I also think maybe we're given enough, you know, not more than what we can handle. And and if that's the case, that can help us to move forward.
1: I agree with you. I think that we are uh, in situations. We come in into situations so we can learn and grow, and that does facilitate us getting to our purpose. And I also agree that we don't get more than we can handle, but the universe is wonderful and gets very, very like wicked close. (laughs) There are times that it's just really, really, really close.
2: (laughs) I agree with that. I agree with that.
1: (laughs) But the grand comes through when you realize through everything that's that's negative that happens and all the experiences that may be construed as not being the most positive, there is growth, and usually your hardest lessons are your greatest growth.
2: Hmm. I think, ironically, that is uh, very true. You know, I even uh, share a story in the book of my own, uh, how I was dealing with uh, a divorce and how it was a very despairing time in my life, and I went out... And one of the practices I have in the book is about how to uh really release all your worries to nature to let it go and surrender mm-hmm. it to something something bigger and more profound than yourself and and it was in the dead of the winter that I did this and i, I just because my rational mind could not solve what was happening and uh, I was in a lot of pain and so I went out and um just sat out in my backyard in the middle of winter and it was freezing but i you know I just went out there and and um, just looked up to the sky. It was, a, it was a clear night, and the stars were out, and I looked up above the trees, and, and, and it's a fascinating uh, experience for me anyway. What happened was, I, in, in that surrendering moment, um, the worries went away. In fact, the whole egocentric, the I, the me, the my, the mind, as I call it, uh, kind of disappeared, and there was just my merging with this uh, larger sense of beingness. And I talk about how to... Uh, Cultivate that larger sense of being beyond the mind, beyond uh, you know all these thoughts that we have. The seventy-five thousand, seventy-five thousand thoughts in the course of a day. We have all of these thoughts, right, and they sometimes pull us in the wrong directions. But there is a spaciousness there, and I think we can find that spaciousness in a lot of different ways. And I have meditations for that in the book. And and in this moment, uh, a feeling came to me that. I, I put words to it, and I describe it in the book as it's all the blessing. that It gave me a, such a sense of, of, of peace, T, that I, I, I knew I would get past it. And there were times later that I forgot that I couldn't get that same feeling, but I just remembered, oh, yeah, that it's all the blessing. And I, I knew I had experienced it. And, and so I, I trusted in that, and I did get through it, and it was very... Uh, a powerful experience for me And an experience that let me see that uh, You know, sometimes we need to, um, to let go And we need to find ways to let go When we're stuck on a problem And that there's so, there is something beyond the rational mind I call it the soul-lution soul Not the solution, mm-hmm. but the soul illusion, <laughs> And there's a way to uh, reach that And that can clear away a lot of uh, painful clutter even
1: Yes, and I think that in the tools that you have, like for instance, one of the meditations that I love, my favorite one, is untying knots using a pebble.
2: Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I love that meditation as well, and I, I talk about how we can untie the knots that the emotional knots that tighten us up and constrict us in the moment, and then even as you know, as we start to untie the knots right now, we can loosen the whole bundle of knots that have been tied over time and start to reflect inward and, and slowly start to get go, let go of those. And, and, um, and, and it's a beautiful process, and that, that is one good meditation for uh, working on that.
1: Yes, and one of the things you said a few moments ago was that you trusted. And that's a big-ticket mm. item because people don't always trust. There's a sense of doubt that comes in which completely annihilates the trust. But if you can just go with the trust and really look back, or when I'm talking to people, I'll say to them, just look back and see other times in your life when you trusted and things worked Mm. out, get that feeling again, because if you can trust, then that's the knowing that you need to get through.
2: Yeah. It's very important to, uh, yeah, to trust and have faith and, and uh, to, and this idea of letting go of releasing um, and, and trusting that, that, there's another path that it might not be accessible to the rational mind that sometimes it's your attitude sometimes it's just your willingness to let go and to let things be and to see how they start to flow i mean i've had people connect with uh, uh, there was a, a gentleman I, I worked with i remember who uh, was having a difficult relationship issues and as and he has he described it to me his his uh, partner would get very hot like a volcano, and he was getting burned. And it so happened he liked fishing, and he liked, uh, so I said, well, it sounds like you like water. I said, would would water help cool things down for you? And he found that just by mm. going, looking at water and sitting, when things got too hot, when the volcano got heated up, he would go out and sit by water. And then he was able to, it's like his container got larger, and he was able to hold uh more of that emotion and more of that, uh, what was happening in his life, he was able to come back home and be in a cooler state of mind and uh, able to understand uh, his partner's suffering better, but not Mm -hmm. to let himself get burned or scalded by it. And uh, so uh, I think that, you know, when we can... uh, and, I, and again, I guess that's part of the compassion piece too. Is be compassionate, but also compassionate for ourselves and find ways to help ourselves tolerate you know, life's difficulties because there're going to be ups and downs in every relationship. There're going to be ups and downs uh, in our work lives and so on. And so, learning how to uh, tolerate that and have compassion and to know that it's all at one, it's it's going to change at some point, right? It's not
1: yes. all permanent.
2: Yeah. It's not all permanent. And if we can uh you know kind of elevate our view if you were up on a you know, let's say you're stuck on a freeway and i like to use this as an example and you're you know you're all you're getting all tensed and you're nervous, you know you're going to be late and maybe you're beating yourself up you could have taken another route and and so on and but if you were to elevate your view imagine yourself up on a hilltop looking down at this big traffic jam um you might notice well you're not alone and up ahead it's traffic starting to move again and um and so you might get a sense of uh a sense of relief in the moment, just a fresh perspective on it. And uh, you might be able to tolerate a little better. You might even look around and say, oh, here's some beautiful grass and there's some, uh, there's some, uh, there's a a mall with some stores over there. Isn't that beautiful? All the abundance we have (laughs) around us. And and I've actually done this myself uh, where uh, I've, will refocus my attention on the, uh, the good, the decent, the beautiful things. And, you know, I'm not, saying this traffic doesn't exist, but I'm accepting it, and then I'm also saying, oh, there's beauty here too, and these can coexist. Yes, and
1: yes, I think people need to step back. That's why you need to take a breath so that you can get a new perspective and like a freshness so that the things that you normally would react to, you don't react to in quite the same way. And part of that too is Listening. Listening as you speak in your book is so important in all of this. It's actually, to me, an art form because so many people don't do it well. You have an acronym for the word HEAR, H-E-A-R. So go ahead and tell us how that is important to removing clutter.
2: Well, yeah, and it's the idea here, again, that um, I think we often are, have strong opinions, and it's great to have an opinion, but to have an, elo- an um, uh, really a healthy communication we need to listen there needs to be that give and take and so i created this acronym that anybody could use right in the heat of an argument or when you're feeling defensive or any time and it will and it's the idea of emptying your cup you know if you have a cup that's full to the brim with tea for example there's no space for anything else and so also to listen to others if we're filled up with their own ideas we need to empty our cup first to make space for the ideas of others so here's the acronym the h stands for uh, hold your assumptions for a moment uh hold mm-hmm. your opinions. you could set them to the side you can come back to them in three minutes right but what is, just for right now while you're listening to this other person just set your own assumptions aside make space for the other person so the second the e stands for uh, Uh, enter the emotional world of this other person or empathy? How can I start to understand them better? And it doesn't mean I agree with them, but it means I can understand, oh, this is really important for them, and they have, uh, you know, and and based on their experience, this is what they feel. And so it's about feeling, putting yourself in another person's shoes, enter their emotional world. The A stands for uh, absorb and accept. And uh, you know, if you have a sponge, uh, it doesn't slosh water around on the counter. It actually absorbs it. And so, what you want to do is you want to really just take in what you're hearing, let it come in. Uh, at, and if you notice that you're blocking it from, some, you know, if you have a resistance, just let that let that go temporarily. Let it in, and then accept. Acceptance means that you can realize, oh, that's this is where that other person is right now. I don't have to try to fix them or change them. They're this is this I can accept that this is where they're at right and it's okay Mm
3: -hmm. to accept Mm -hmm.
2: that So the first three of these hea are about taking in and listening and the r is about how we will respond it stands for reflect then respect and so the 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 uh, reflect part means that maybe you go away maybe you don't answer immediately maybe you say you know let me think about this i want to you know you bring up a lot of good points here and i want to before i respond i want to Think about it, and so you could reflect inwardly on it. Maybe you could go talk to um, somebody who you respect or who you feel is a wise person who could draw some light on it for you. But after you inwardly reflected, then you answer in a respectful, kind way. If you're st- if you're angry or you're u- upset, then wait longer, because you want to be able to answer yes. with a yes. sense of respect and kindness, right? Or you'll end up back, uh, uh, you know repeating an old pattern and maybe you're not listening again so uh, but this can r- really uh, shift what is happening in a relationship and help you discover some new perspectives so when you go and reflect you might think about things in a new way because you really let in what this other person said and uh, i i found it can be a very beautiful experience when you open yourself up in this way
1: I agree. I think it's very healthy because, you know, you can, it's almost like you're your own mediator. So you're listening Mm, to the other person and you're processing. Right? It is. the the Yeah. 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 When I read that, I thought, oh, I'm being my own mediator. And to me, you know, years ago I said to my husband, there's nothing to fight about. There's nothing in this world to fight about. So we're not going to (laughs) fight. That's just the rule. There's no fight. So
3: you have to (laughs) discuss.
1: No yeah. no yelling, yeah. no arguing, and, you know, use the filter, don't call names. That's just wrong. I, I, yeah. You have to come at differences from the point of kindness and understand there's a compromise and there's a meeting of the mind. And if people right. did that more and, and heard because they listened, you know, the perspective would be different. But, again, it goes back to technology because everybody's so busy on their phones. Uh, you know, I remember when typing all the time caused carpal tunnel. Soon we will have people having thumb Transplants because they're because they're texting so much, you know. Yeah, I think, it's I think crazy. so. But it
2: hasn't, yeah. But it hasn't happened already. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: You know, and they haven't been around that often, but uh, that long. But still, and I think that hearing is probably one of the most important things, so that you can understand the other side. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to right, live it. it. You can have a difference of opinion.
2: Right. Right. And I think what happens is that the two people both are willing to let go of their. Uh, you know their assumptions and uh, their beliefs and open up you know uh, it leaves a space for something new and creative and fresh to happen there and that's that's great why not allow for that
1: and deeper, and deeper. a deeper respect yeah, and, for the and, person and and deeper.
2: Deeper, right a deeper respect a deeper love for that other person yep. and yeah instead of digging in your heels I mean I, I've met people who said oh, I've never apologized and when I hear wow. that I'm like oh wow um, I had one of my grandparents who I heard say that proudly, and I was like, "Oh, that, isn't that interesting?" Uh, and I was a <laughs> younger, younger person at the time, and even then, it just I felt like, "Wow, that doesn't feel right to me." <laughs>
1: No, you're going to be on your deathbed looking for forgiveness, and that never works, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, that's so true. You're like, now I need to ask for forgiveness and say, please, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't apologize. Please forgive me, you know. And then the other person will be like, I don't think so. You know, <laughs> go to go see your maker and tell him you screwed up. That's the end of that story. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's all very, very interesting, but to me when I read your book, it's all so simple. It's all easily fixable. Hmm. It's all something everyone can do if you just take the time and look at these tools. It's The chapters are written in such a way that they're not long. You get so much out of each one. The tools are at the end. They're easy to do. You can fix a lot in your life and people think they can fix other people. You can't. Hmm. But no. if you there's fix a, you, other people yeah. will change.
2: There was a, a, a Zen... Saying that one time I heard it was like pull your own weeds first, and then but you know before yeah. you get around to yeah. pulling other people's weeds. So, <laughs> and um, but you know I, I I thank you for saying that because I really tried to write this book in a way as if I was really just having a conversation with someone, and I really think about the people out there who are going to be reading the book and and uh, and how I could just you know as if I was with somebody just like us right here we're we're talking about things mm-hmm. and we're trying to make it. So it, it is understandable. It's not really that complicated. It's easy to to um, make anything feel or seem complicated. But the truth is that, you know, we want to uh, look at what is beneficial for your life. What is something help, helpful for you? Is it helpful for others? Does it serve? Does is it, uh, you know, can it help us gain clarity? Can it help me remain calm? Can it help regulate my emotions? Can it help me be more effective in the world? And those are the kind of things that I'm trying to help focus in on here. And in a very practical, usable way.
1: And I think you succeeded. I mean, from my standpoint, you did because.
3: Well,
1: I, I mean, I read a book a week for this show, and this is so clear and simple, and you know, easy to read. It's not academic. It's fun. It can be funny. There are some humorous parts in it. I mean, you know, I laughed at a couple of <laughs> different things, and you know, so that, well, that makes glad. it easier, you know, because you can relate to you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you can relate to you as the author, you know, and the stories that you you share. Uh, So to me, I I thought it was very well done, and uh, I I think that there's a lot for people to get out of this book. I I highly recommend it. I would like to ask one final question. Which tool do you feel our listeners can, let's say, put to use easily at this time to reduce clutter starting like now?
2: Wow. Well, you know what? You've mentioned breathing, and I would say I have something that I say fidelity to the moment or faithfulness to this moment, yeah. and one of the things I talk about is faithfulness to this breath, and so really taking this breath in right now and feeling it, take a nice breath in, noticing the belly expanding, and then exhaling slowly and just faithfully living with that breath, which is right here, right now. I don't think there's anything, I mean, if there was one way to remove Clutter, uh, right in the moment. That would be a wonderful way to do. And I was glad to hear you mention that.
1: Yes, I, and I agree with that too because that is so important. And that's why for years people have said, just take a breath, take a breath. You know, it comes from somewhere. Yeah, it's not and, it's not and, fake. It's real.
2: <laughs> and I've yeah, and I've worked with people in all different cultures where I've even had. I remember uh, there was a uh, a guy in Pakistan who was in my one of my groups, and he said, you know, we had you know, we've had the bombings, we've had a lot of bad things happening, and somebody's always saying, take a breath. <laughs> and he says, yep. and it works. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
1: It does. it does. Oh, my gosh. We are almost at the top of the hour, Donald, but before we go, would you please tell our listeners how they may learn more about you and where they may purchase your book, Clearing Emotional Clutter?
2: Yeah, oh, absolutely. So, you can get the book on uh, at Amazon.com, on Barnes & Noble, or uh, on their website, and also, Go to my website, mindfulpractices.com. You can learn more about me. I do speaking. I do consulting and training. And uh, also I have a newsletter, a Mindful Living newsletter. Sign up for that newsletter. And every month I have some new tips for bringing mindfulness into your life, new reflections, a little new research in the mindfulness field, and things that uh, also will let you know what I'm doing, my upcoming events and so forth. So that's at mindfulpractices.com.
1: Thank you so much, Donald, for taking time to come back and join us. I, it really has been quite a pleasure. I, I appreciate it very much.
2: Oh, thanks, T. I mean, it, it, it really went fast for me, and I, uh, I really enjoyed uh, getting on the radio with you again. And um, uh, bless you for the work that you're doing. I think you're doing some wonderful things, and bless your audience.
1: Well, thank you so much. And everyone, tune in next week. I am your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well.
0: I got a... I got a love.
3: And I remember how